The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Davis Maddock, joined uh, by Pat Corain today, Monday, August 8th. We are 31 days away for the beginning of the NFL season. We are we are running out of time to be best ball bros, dude. We are we are truly sure are. time. I have an article series uh, coming out on NBC Sports that joined best ball this week. So uh, sort of last call for any best ball related content or, or maybe beyond last call. But but there is still some best ball uh, articles in the works. But yeah, it's basically managed managed league season at this point. I mean, what's what's really insane is that people who are not like us, like they're just like finding out who plays for who now. They're like, wait, Marcus Mariota's on the Falcons. Like they haven't yeah. even had they haven't even had the time to develop the opinions on like I don't know is 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 Matt Corral going to get in there like they just like it, I kind of I kind of envy it to be honest. Well, I the thing I envy is like that they never had uh you know what are the odds that Matt Corral plays period of their life you know they because now like who, who cares about Matt Corral it's Baker Mayfield right they didn't have to go through all of the takes that are completely irrelevant now like they just were out at the beach having a life just having a life yeah they just they never they never had to deal with it um in the first place so the idea today it's been about 10 days since we've done a show so we need to do a little bit of a little bit of news and notes and let me tell you this is what i uh this is not what you would have started with but this is what i'm starting with Taysom hill has returned to (laughs) training camp uh the saints tight end one he's here (laughs) He's in. He's good to go. No, no report, by the way, of the uh, the, the Liz Frank injury. Right. That wasn't even what was mm-hmm. keeping him out of camp. It was a rib injury. Ribs, right? yeah. uh, so that's pretty good for my bags that it does not seem that he is limited by the Liz Frank at this point. How are you building your Taysom Hill best ball teams? Are those three tight end builds? It's either Kelsey and Taysom or the uh, the the throw shit at a wall. You know, the the Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby. Taysom Hill, uh, Alberto, Hunter Henry, Taysom Hill, like never, never, like never, like two tight end with like Gerald Everett and Taysom Hill. Like he's always he's either the second with an elite tight end or the third with two other bad tight ends. I've been so I'm not taking as much Taysom Hill as probably I should, but I've been kind of tempted to throw him in as like uh, a third tight end, even with an elite, because my thinking there is like he's not going to. It, you're basically playing for a couple weeks in the playoffs. So, you know, and if you get those couple weeks, you're going to have to have him. So, you know, get as many of those Taysom Hill teams in that situation in the first place by having an actual Tyler Higby or whatever with, with Kelsey 
and then like who like it's not like he doesn't sort of count towards your tight end position in a sense is, is the way i'm thinking about well like you know the the thesis was never i mean there were multiple theses right uh you know like martin luther's what night 96 theses like there were a lot of chase and bill <laughs> theses but the the primary one was him playing some quarterback right and then yeah that I, it's probably just not going to happen at this point but the we've gotten the uh the flop leg where the team is like no he's going to be our starting tight end and there's going to be the wildcat packages and Alvin Kamara might be suspended at some point, in which case you would need more. Like, like the nut run out might actually be Alvin Kamara getting suspended for the rest of the season in week 10, and the Saints actually have like a winning record and could be the second wild card, and they're not wanting to trust <laughs> the team to Mark Ingram at the goal line. Like, that's actually that actually might be a better run out than Jameis and Andy Dalton getting hurt at this point. So, you know, this is an audio podcast, people can't see you, but. The listeners should know that you are standing at a bulletin board with red string everywhere. <laughs> Look, anything, anything we can do at this point to uh, to justify, you know, being being all the way. It's like it's like I'm doing the same thing with Sammy Watkins, and really, the only thing to hang my hat on with Sammy Watkins at this point is that he's not getting cut. Like he he is locked into being on the team. That's that's all I got. You've gotten me into Sammy Watkins. I'm, I'm taking I'm taking some Sammy Watkins. Uh, I'm taking. You know, I've taken Corey Davis, so I'm willing to take a gross. A See, gross Sammy old. Watkins is a way better pick than Corey Davis, and I think Corey Davis is fine. But Watkins is playing with a way better quarterback, and it's like, look at their guys, right? Like Lazard. Like, yeah. Is, does Dubs. anyone does anyone really think Lazard is a good pick at like wide receiver 39 or wherever he's going? Someone does because he goes there like every time. But there's like it's to me it's this is the same thing as the Marquez Callaway Traquan Smith thing from last off season. It's like Alan Lazard is fine in the role he's played in in the past, but Alan Lazard is never going to be Devonte Adams. I just don't even think it's in his skill set. Every year, the fantasy football community essentially like knights one crappy wide receiver. Apologies to Marcus Callaway and, and Alan Lazard. But, you know, kind of a, a, a role player type wide receiver as this team's wide receiver one, and it never works. It's like, it's the easiest fade ever. Like, Alan Lazard is not a number one wide receiver. I mean, maybe maybe he'll completely prove me wrong, but I don't know. I mean, he can do a number of things okay, but yeah, it's, a, it's an easy fade. And then because he's an easy fade and because Christian Watson, it was a fairly easy fade and is now falling to a range where he's I actually so why willing yeah, to take him I, I, I had the easy. same I had the same response today like if Christian Watson is going to go in the 13th round like I've seen Romeo Dubes go in the 13th round so it's like like Christian Watson's clearly a better pick than Romeo Dubes I don't care how good of a camp Dubes is having yeah and he is falling to the 13th round where it's like I mean I don't know you have this minor knee procedure maybe that really screws up his rookie season he's a raw prospect totally could but he's always been a swing for the fences, pure upside play. And now you're getting in price where that's really all you need. Like that's kind of a, a totally acceptable archetype where he's going. So, yeah. And then you can get Watkins. You can, Dubs is getting to the point where he's a little too Dubs pricey. Is, but Dubs is untakeable at this cost in BBM3 because there are 30,000, 40,000 teams that got him as an 18th round pick. He wasn't always getting drafted though. I think it, it's no, fine. but there's been fine there's in the 14th been, or whatever. There's been 200,000 teams drafted, though. Yeah, but 
the difference between a 14th round pick and an 18th round pick really isn't that well that's that's what i say and then and then the the pencil pushers the the spreadsheet warriors tell me actually i'm wrong like if like if i made this argument to leone he'd be like actually x y and z like you're an idiot and there actually if is you, a difference if you put like auction prices on these picks a 14th round pick would be like worth four dollars and so it's like no, someone they'd be, saved they'd be like zero like romeo dubes would be one dollar but i mean like if you just said like each pick is like worth a set amount of your oh, auction sure. budget yeah then the 14th would be like worth four dollars and an 18th would be worth one dollar so like someone saved three dollars it's it's not nearly as big is when a guy has like a three or four round increase you know from if a guy goes from nine to five that's a much more uh meaningful increase like that that i think makes it much much tougher to then take the guy in the fifth and so the sammy case is basically like yeah he was one of the worst wide receivers in the nfl last year but like we've seen him be good before and like like i think clearly like it doesn't matter if if christian watson looks like calvin johnson like if rogers decides watkins and cobb are the guys he wants to throw to that's who he's going to throw to it's just totally based off of aaron Rodgers' whims i think are you taking cobb because I've, I've also yes. taken some cobb yeah i mean cobb yeah. uh, i i think there is a world we live in where cobb leads the green bay packers in targets yeah yeah i mean and i guess if you're not taking lazard which i'm not you got to take the other guys you got to take some of the other guys so I, I mean, probably I have, haven't been I taking have Amari Rogers on a couple teams. Like that's how much I don't believe in Alan Lazard's ADP. There was a uh, pretty funny story on the, on the athletic where Amari Rogers has like gotten in really good shape this off season. And there were like some quotes from LaFleur that were basically, you know, like all this stuff's supposed to be super positive, but my, my read on it was LaFleur was basically like, yeah, he looks great. He's in really good shape, but you know, we basically have to see if he can play football. Yeah, I mean, he, so was, he was one of the worst special teams players in the NFL last season. Oh, I got yeah. special teams. Like, he was horrible. Um, so that's not great. So I have not taken Rodgers. But all the more reason to take Cobb because they play the same role. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, – what, what do you, you want to lead off with? Well, I think we should lead off with this uh, Pacheco stuff. That's Isaiah Pacheco. So this is this is my read on it. I think that Pacheco has clearly been – good and it would not be completely out of the equation to do what the chiefs did to carlos hyde so remember they bring carlos hyde in they trade him for like a conditional seventh round pick to the texans instead of cutting him so there's no real difference between cutting him and and you could argue that ronald jones was overpriced at the role he was but you know scattered into all of these beat reports has been yeah pacheco looks good but ronald jones is ahead of him in every drill so I don't, right. I don't think my guess is that Pacheco is not active week one. My, my guess is that um, his role would not be that dissimilar to what Derek Gore did last year, where he was healthy scratch or special teams only until injuries got him on the field. Now, maybe this means Pacheco is clearly beaten out Gore, right? Um, I think for sure. But I, I, and, and maybe this is coping or whatever, but also like, Kansas City has done this with lots of guys, right? Le'Veon Bell, uh, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, there was another veteran in there at some point in the in the Reed tenure, but they they like to have at least Spencer one. Spencer Ware. Uh, he they drafted him, but they like okay. to have like at least like one twenty nine year old dust ball mm-hmm. getting the ball at uh, at some point. And 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 I I actually 
weirdly enough, I think the Pacheco uh, drumbeat is kind of bullish for CEH because it means that the drumbeat has not been on McKinnon. And McKinnon's role is actually the most valuable in this Chiefs backfield. And it's just a matter of who plays those snaps. Like if Clyde Bertolaire is playing those snaps, that's very bullish for him. You know, and I just, I, I mean, I follow the Chiefs beats pretty closely and there's just been nothing on McKinnon. Like no one said anything about him, like good, bad, indifferent either way, really. There was a tweet yesterday that uh, noted the order that guys were going through drills and it was CEH, Rojo, then McKinnon, and then Pacheco. So at least he's ahead of Pacheco, but I agree. I haven't really heard anything about him. Uh, I think for Pacheco, I mean, Pacheco just went at the 1302. No, the main event draft that we're well, doing. okay. Main event different than best ball, whatever. I mean, I once drafted Justice Hill in the seventh round, so I'm gonna, I'm like, that's whatever, <laughs> you know, that that's it's, it's a totally different format, and you can cut a guy in a 13th round pick, doesn't matter that much. Yeah, I actually think it's fine, it's fine. uh, because it's also the main event where like every running back with a pulse is about to be off the board, but notably, Ronald Jones not off the board in this draft, Jarek McKinnon not off the board, so you're starting to see Pacheco's steam here in the, the main event, at least, the one I'm in. And I think that'll probably head over to Best Ball Mania soon. So I think, you know, getting last round Pacheco is probably good right now because it, it's not going to be happening for much longer. Um, and then Ronald Jones, I've noticed in Best Ball Mania, is now falling to the 13th. So I took off. Uh, I stopped drafting Ronald Jones for a couple of rounds. And now that he's in the 13th, I'm like, all right, back in. So maybe maybe I'll see if there's any additional discount and I can get him in the 14th or something. But um, I think, yeah, that that feels about right for him. I think this kind of is maybe – well, I, I don't know if it's bullish for CEH, but it's getting me to draft CEH finally. I haven't really been drafting CEH, but now you're looking at him falling into the ninth round. And, yeah, if, if you're looking at CEH, really anywhere from, like, pick 90, 90 on, I, I'm, like, at least mildly interested in CEH, and he's falling sometimes into the hundreds. So – I mean, at that price, you're not really like he's going, he's not getting cut. <laughs> and so he's going to have some kind of role. He's going to fall into the end zone for a few weeks. Like, and then there is obviously upside, the offensive line here is really good. So uh, it does feel like a pretty nice bet on CH if you can get him at that price, which I- I'm happy to see since I'm underweight. I mean, it, it, it actually does feel like it's, it's 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 like kind of setting up good for him if all of the rooms attend not not good for his production good for his value and drafts if everyone's attention is on this seventh round rookie he's like you know like a good player or whatever I'm not saying anything like you know he's a fine seventh round uh, draft selection or whatever but like Clyde is gonna I minimum first month of the season he'll be playing fifty percent of the snaps for the Kansas City Chiefs and probably more. One thing that's interesting is the Pacheco they're showing him catching passes and like apparently he's lining up out of the slot today. That stuff's weird. Cause he, what, he's not a pass catcher. He's like a size speed guy. He's like two sixteen. He's not huge, but he's like, he's very fast and he's, you know, sufficiently big, but you would think of him as basically like Rojo. Like he's just takes over the Rojo role. Yeah. Um, but he's getting used a little bit as a pass catcher, which is not ideal for CH. Uh, it's not ideal for anyone. It's bad for McKinnon. But McKinnon now, I'm seeing McKinnon fall to the 17th, 18th round again in these drafts. So I kind of feel like the answer right now at these prices is everyone. Like, I think if you can get Pacheco, that's just been the whole whole thesis on Chiefs players all offseason is that it's it's totally 
like what do you what do you think Chiefs ADP is going to look like next year? Like that, like if Kelsey is not dead, he'll be a first round pick again. Whoever wins the running back battle will be like a fourth round pick. Um, you know, uh, Smith Schuster, MVS, or Sky, depending on you know if one of them smashes, they'll be a second round pick. Another wide receiver will be a sixth round pick. Like they're all going to be top one hundred picks. Like this will just never, this will just never happen again. No, like if they had taken Brees Hall or something. He'd be if they had taken Brees Hall, like a second round pick. I was gonna say just go where CH went his rookie year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's there's I, <laughs> it's not even just Mahomes. Their offensive line is awesome. So I don't know. It's I, I completely agree. I think you gotta be overweight, the Chiefs. And uh luckily, I think I'm gonna get bailed out here a little because I was potentially gonna enter a, a dangerous situation of being underweight CH. Because I just really did not like his price earlier. And mad overweight on Ronald Jones. And mad overweight Ronald Jones. And now, at the, I mean, I'm definitely willing to let Ronald Jones fall in drafts and see how late I can get him. Um, I think that's one of the advantages. It's not really an advantage of, of being overweight at a higher price. Um, you know, is it like you can at least push it later? And then Ceh falling to me now feels pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, I mean. I do think, as far as the Pacheco stuff goes, that he is on track to be active on game days, which is potentially quite bad for Ronald Jones. Or oh, if he's if quite he's bad for on McKinnon. game days, and they have four running backs active, I mean, it's bad for all of them. four four running backs active is is a nightmare. Well, I'm not even saying four running backs active. I mean, we could be looking oh, you're at saying, a healthy you're scratch. Saying, you're saying healthy scratch, Rojo. You could be healthy scratch Rojo. You could be healthy scratch McKinnon because Pacheco is in line at the moment to be their starting kick returner. And that's a problem. Assuming, I mean, either way, to your point, four active running backs, not great. Healthy scratch Rojo, very bad for Rojo or for McKinnon if he's healthy scratch. But yeah, I mean, if Pacheco is the starting kick returner, he's active. My guess is CH is active and then they keep only one other guy uh not keep but but have active only one other guy so um at this point pacheco not that i would be taking him in the 13th but that kick returner stuff has me buying into this hype a little bit more for sure does the does does heart i mean we talked about this i mean shit this had to been like two months ago we talked about this where it's like they actually like do need mccall hardman this year and i think that uh, it's interesting that he is not Hmm. primary kick returner or punt returner now because that's basically saying like dude you got to do it on offense and they you know i think there is a i mean there's got to be like a three percent chance or something that they give him a second contract like he feels like go get eight million dollars a year from the texans or something like that like go <laughs> totally be, like go be go be uh like upgraded chris conley or whatever um, he's he's gonna have the say jones career 100 100 percent. but I just like I was talking about this was with uh, Amico the other day. I was like, he is gonna be their wide receiver too in week one. I don't even know who they play in week one, but my guess, I mean, he is for sure gonna be ahead of Sky. But I also think he'll probably uh, be on the field more than MBS in week one as well. That would really surprise me if he played more snaps than than MBS because MBS is like it's, such it's a. The, it's the only the only thesis behind Hardman. The only thing you could say to make you want to draft him is he is the one who's been on the chiefs the longest and knows the offense the best, but he's also been a part-time player and the guys keeping him off the field are like Jags. Yeah. 
I mean, he's bad, and my bags are my my Hardman bags are uh, significantly lower this year than they've been in years past. So I have fifteen percent MVS, fifteen percent Smith shoes. This is actually very odd distribution. I have exactly fifteen percent of every Chiefs wide receiver. <laughs> That's amazing. You got to send that out. That's so funny. Here, you can you can. That's incredible. We're breaking it. We're breaking the news on the show. And then I have thirteen percent CH, thirteen percent Rojo. Um. That feels so, right. Like you want, you want to spread, you want to be overweight and spread out on the Yeah, Chiefs. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's the old chief in every draft philosophy, but I, I do feel like Pacheco is, unless he wins the passing down stuff. I mean, it does, it just feels, it feels more like Pacheco creates a mess for the other guys than him being really good himself basically is, is kind of what I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I think Pacheco I guess, and maybe all of the uh, Chiefs running backs feel a little bit more interesting and managed where you can just move on. There is sure. so much uncertainty here um, that maybe but then, like, you know, the, the converse of that is you have to decide the week that who X, Y, and right. Z does well, right? Where it's like, yeah, sure, maybe you can cut Ronald Jones or you can cut CH or you can cut McKinnon, but they might be. I mean, this has actually been the problem with Hardman for years is you never actually want to cut him because he's still on the field and he's still right. playing. So it's like, do I really want to cut him? And then, oh, and then, you know, Demarcus Robinson gets hurt next week and Hardman plays 80% of the snaps or whatever. I would be pretty cautious on the Pacheco is going to get receiving work stuff. Um, His yards per hour in college were really, really bad. 0.6, kind of a Kenneth Walker type of, of like prospect who just doesn't really have anything to show in the passing game uh, in terms of his resume. So I mean, worse than Ronald Jones was in college. So it's it's not a good receiving profile for Pacheco. And overall, he's not a very good prospect. He didn't have many breakaway runs uh, in college. He wasn't elusive in college, despite being very athletic, 4 3 7 40, uh, at 216. But I feel like behind a really good offensive line, a Patrick Mahomes offense, guy who can run fast, uh, maybe the breakaway stuff doesn't matter at all. But I do think that you know not having that receiving profile probably follows him to his rookie season. So um, I don't know. That has left me feeling like McKinnon, even though it's, it's been quiet, is at least somewhat undervalued. I mean, McKinnon, you can get in the 18th round, right? Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's pretty good. Um, okay. That was a long time on Isaiah Pacheco. Probably the bigger news <laughs> is that it's like this. People have been saying this all off season, that it makes sense for the Browns to either cut or trade one of Kareem Hunt or Dearness Johnson. But now that the team is going to be in a tricky spot cap and money wise, because this Deshaun Watson thing is all up in the air, it makes a lot of sense for them to to get off of Kareem Hunt. And you don't see this very often in the NFL because normally contracts are harder to move than in another league because they count like extra, like for example, Tyler Lockett. Like if this was the NBA, Tyler Lockett would be moved already because of the way, but the way his cap hit works is he costs the team acquiring him extra money and it costs the Seahawks extra money to move on from him. But Kareem Hunt's deal, I don't know why this is. I don't really know that much about the NFL CBA. But by trading him, they can completely get it off the books. And I think they owe him like $7 million, maybe like $6.7 million. And apparently he's asked the team for a trade, according to Mary Kay Cabot. And the team says they're not going to trade him. But, I mean, we literally have already seen them do this this offseason, where they said they weren't going to trade Baker, and they traded him for, what, a conditional fifth or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Hunt is a great pick right now because you're seeing him go uh, kind of in that same 
range we were talking about with ceh i'm i'm going the other way i think dearness is the pick oh dearness is a smash dearness is an absolute smash but i think hunt's a good value too um and where would we, we want him to go well my take on this has been that we don't know yet right like there we saw tim patrick already go down that's sure you know there's there's going to be additional big injuries and it's going to open up something where maybe the compensation for Kareem Hunt goes up because I, uh, I actually a, have a situation where I think the team would do it because they don't care about money. And it's actually a good fantasy spot for him. New Orleans, where hmm. you, you help, you know, because Kamara got hurt last year, right? He's on his, he's on his a pace for 300 touches. He gets hurt. You only have Mark Ingram and who'd they sign? Abram Smith, I think his name is. A, a, but they signed a, a dusty vet or they brought David Johnson in for a workout. I don't know if they signed him or not. And, you know, then there's the looming threat. I, I think his court date got postponed two months, but there is totally the chance of him getting suspended in season. And then it seems have- very low now though. It yeah. seemed already like it was 2023. But that, that is a, a spot that totally makes sense. And we know the team definitely wants to be more, run heavy defense balance you know they, they really showed that last year yeah that that's definitely one i think like atlanta maybe comes to mind please but, no please no just but i'm I so think, tired think... of thinking about atlanta like like you know what the most miserable thing is you're doing a draft and you draft marquise brown or james connor and you have to star drake london marcus mariota and yeah. brian edwards yeah but i mean like okay it doesn't even necessarily have to be like a season long injury. Like if Jonathan Taylor got a high ankle sprain or something. Sure. Aren't the cult, like the Colts are the type of team where it's like, they're not, they're not going to deviate from the plan. I feel like, like they want, uh, a, they're built around having, and obviously Kareem Hunt is not Jonathan Taylor, but I feel like that would keep them on track for five weeks or something. And then they get JT totally. back or whatever it is. Like a situation like that, I think is, likely to emerge over the next three four weeks and kareem hunt's just the obvious guy to you know the teams are going to be making calls on yeah i mean i i i it sounds and like why does kareem hunt want to play with jacoby Brissett or whatever you know he he does not yeah <laughs> on the record he does not yeah so i i i think it's um i think it's it's uh it's pretty interesting it's like it doesn't really feel that baked into his adp or dearness johnson's ADP. right uh, now that might like three days from now, we might come back and Dearness Johnson might be a uh, 14th round pick and Kareem Hunt might be a seventh round pick. I mean, the clearly the market is just begging for some stuff to happen to fill that seventh round with players we like because the seventh round is it's just awful. It's, it's either you reach on a quarterback, right? Or it's like maybe you get Trey Lance, maybe you take Russell Wilson, maybe you take Brady, maybe you take Dak. Maybe you take TJ Hawkins in there sometimes, or just a Trey Lance is going up in the sixth now. So you gotta because the seventh is so dead. It's yeah. it's Adam Thielen, DeAndre Hop, even Michael Thomas isn't there anymore. You know, Michael Thomas uh re- dropped out of that range because now he's healthy. So it's like the seventh round is so bad. One of the things I've done is if you take Mahomes, uh like if you take, get a falling take MVS or Sky early. You take MVS or Sky early, and then you get the you other one get the other one in the eighth. Yeah. Or, so it, or, it, or Clyde, right. Or, or, or Clyde. Clyde. Yeah. yeah. So it ends up working out really well, but that's kind of the, the answer to the seventh round is often for me, someone going in the eighth round, <laughs> the seventh rounds is so brutal. It's a, I don't it, know if it gets better. I, I just, I, I've never, it's, it's like, 
I think it really bears repeating. Like, I don't ever really remember it being like this. So, like, right now, let's see. Where does the the seventh round starts at 76? Is that right? Is that math right? Uh, it, it ends at 84, right? So, if it ends at 84, it's got to start at... Start at 73. 73, 73. is the 701. So, this is what... This is if you... if This is what it is right now. So, it's Trey Lance and Devonta Smith, who, like, okay, we both kind of like. Joe Burrow fine if you literally only if you have to your chase never if you don't lazard down terribly bad Kadarius <laughs> tony fine but we were fine. drafting him we were drafting him at, at 110 eighth, yeah. yeah we were drafting like he was a, he was 100 plus when bbm3 opened Ayuk, fine I, i'll take fine. him whatever then it's antonio gibson quarterback christian kirk miles sanders Tony Pollard, who like whatever, it's just it's rich for him. You know, it doesn't feel like he's a seventh round. It's a little pick. rich, yeah. Hunter Renfro, quarterback. Burks, who like whatever we like, but it's just like it just feels. But we like, were getting him at the discount, and I took a maybe, lot of discount. But now I'm still that's taking. That's why it feels so bad. It's because it's guys we liked who we were taking, and now we have to pay full price for them, and it feels right. bad. Maybe maybe if maybe if I open this up with a fresh brand, I'd be like, oh, Tony Ayuk Pollard, you know what? It's fine. But it's those fine. are all really low floor plays. I think that's one of the things that's tough. About I mean, you it. might and, you might get three scoring weeks from Pollard if Zeke stays healthy. Yeah. I mean, and Tony has a very low floor. He got ejected from his breakout game. <laughs> Dude, the the um the 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 Giants training camp reports have been a roller coaster to read. Like it'll be like like you're you're reading the athletic blurb and it's like and Daniel Jones found Wandale Robinson in the zone and Wandale cuts up field thirty yards. But if it was a full contact practice, Daniel Jones would have been sacked. Like it's, it's like like there's just nothing that makes sense about it, which is so funny. Well, I've also seen some stuff where people are like, Jones does not look very good. You know, this is... Which this I think is... is like, we always knew that was going to happen, right? Yeah. Well, because the Dayball stuff, like, you know, he was playing... Josh Allen was with Dayball his first couple of years when he wasn't very good, you know? So I, if Dayball turns Daniel Jones around, it could still take like two or three years, like right? Like, I know he's been in the league longer. He's not a rookie in his first year or whatever, but it's still, I don't know. I don't know that the Giants are going to be this like fun pass heavy team necessarily because Jones might be bad and they're they're trying not to get embarrassed. Yeah, I mean the Saquon has gotten and that's another guy whose ADP is yep. like and we we definitely knew this was going to happen where Saquon as long as he didn't get hurt in the preseason was going to end up being a first round pick but like it's here. Like he went today I did a BBM3 and he went ahead of Mixon and Swift. Yeah. We in the main event uh, it's a co-managed main uh, where we took the consensus was Saquon over Swift. I'm Swift personally, but I'm Swift too. I, yeah. I I'm I'm team restore the roar. Yeah, I mean Swift. Swift to me is such a smash. Like he's this young young back who has been an explosive playmaker through his first two seasons. He's behind what could be an elite offensive line. This is an offensive. The most, don't they have the most expensive offensive line? I don't know. I don't know in terms of the price, but basically every ranking I've seen in terms of the offensive line has them right near the top. Uh, they were decent last year. I think they struggled with some injuries last year. Um, but he, I mean, he's an excellent receiver. He's a good prospect. I know his, he like absolutely sucked between the tackles and everything last year, but I don't know. I mean, that's the part where I'm like, as long as he's going to get work around the goal line, which he has, and I think will continue to, 
then I'll live with that part of it with the idea that he's now entering his third season. Maybe he takes a little bit of a step forward as a rusher behind a really good offensive line as the offense overall takes a little bit of a step forward. I mean, if the offense, if the offense just provides more scoring opportunities and Jamal Williams takes some of the shit we don't care about, you know, the second and eights or whatever, it's all gravy. Yeah. It's second and six run up the gut. Swift, like didn't read the block, right? Like from the, the 35 yard line like all right okay that's 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 annoying but like i don't know if he's getting a lot of work as a receiver a lot of work around the goal line and he's as good as he's looked uh as a receiver and as a big play guy then i don't know you just see that you see the ceiling pretty clearly with him but i guess i'm not i mean i wouldn't chase him up into the like the 108 109 range i just really like getting him in the early second yeah uh the uh the gain well drumbeat picking up pretty good in philadelphia uh nick sirianni wore the gainwell t-shirt to the press conference and then one of the uh one of the beat writers reported that he's gonna get uh, a bulk of the third downs as of right now there was also a report we had that he was getting the high leverage stuff so they were yeah. he was getting usage around the goal line i mean if that's true <laughs> he's gonna be an absolute smash uh he's so as i've tried to let this Rojo discount play out, you know, it's like, well, okay, what other running backs in this range would I like to be either like make sure I'm not underweight on? Cause I was kind of underweight Michael Carter, which was, which was probably just a leak. Um, so fixing that, but then also making sure that I'm firmly overweight. Kenny Gainwell has been a priority. Uh, he's just like, kind of, yeah, I mean, sort I, of a I'm similar fine. idea to I'm to fine spend. not having bags packed on Michael Carter, by the way. I mean, definitely strong contingent value, right? Of yeah, of course. I mean, you know, Ty Johnson still on the roster. Yeah, uh, he's going to be a little bit annoying, but it's like, especially now that Mackie Becton just hurt his his knee again in practice mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm already making a lot of bets on Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, so it's like I don't know if I want to make a lot of bets on the running backs too. You know? Yeah. How where are you at on Brees? The thing is, is I just don't think you can logically take Brees over Ezekiel Elliott, and that's the decision you have a lot of the time. And maybe I'm wrong, right? Uh, Brees is the younger, more explosive player, and maybe the Jets are a lot better on offense and the Cowboys progress to the mean a little bit. But on the other hand, you know, like beyond a shadow of a doubt, if Ezekiel Elliott can move at all, the Cowboys will be giving him the ball. And they led the NFL in points scored last year. Like he might, he might just, score 14 touchdowns just by the nature of being on the field. Yeah. Uh, I guess I know, for this I know, stuff, I though, know. like when when does it happen? Is he getting through a full season? Because, my God, he was bad last year. Well, it would be, I mean, this. I, I think maybe there's a potential out in his contract after this year. I got to go. I got to go look this up now. Um, which it would be, it would be amazing if this was the year that there was a potential out because uh, – Tony Pollard heads into free agency this upcoming season. Uh, yeah, there is there's only 11 million dead cap to to cut Zeke this year or next year. Yeah, like, you know how, you know, Sean and, and Ben talk about a lot, like, you know, we're trying to draft guys who are going to be first round picks the following year. year. Yeah. yeah. It's like Zeke's we also be are like trying to draft guys who, who aren't easy cuts well, following the year. So, you know, I actually think at running back that is uh, not right. I think I think a lot of the times you look at the previous year's scores at running back and you're like, well, those guys aren't going any higher this year. In fact, they're going later, but they scored a lot of points. Because I think at I think at running back, 
uh, it's so much of it is opportunity based and these guys that you and I don't like, but that the teams like, like those guys just get the ball, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like it's, I'm kind of having fun pushing back on Zeke because it's Zeke, but I mean, fourth round Zeke is fine. I'm not, uh, you can, if you can take Zeke in the fourth round. It's fine. I've done it. I don't, I'm not overweight, but, uh, like these are, these are last year's, uh, total PPR point 2021 total PPR points, top 10, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, James Connor, Leonard Fournette, Zeke, Alvin Kamara, Corderell Patterson, Antonio Gibson. How, how shocking is it that Gibson was there by the way? It's one of those things. I mean, kind of to the, the point last year of the legendary article series I did, like it still didn't really help you that much, you know? It, like, well, and managed and managed, but in, we, we do know that these dusty shit balls who get 15 points a week are actually valuable for best ball. They're valuable, but you got to watch what you're paying. Gibson yeah. was on like the one, like obviously it was better We're all to trying draft, to figure out who did this. Well, obviously it was better to draft Connor and Fournette than Zeke and uh, Najee Harris or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Where, so are you buying the Gainwell stuff? Yeah, I, I wish my bags were more packed. I mean, I just think Gainwell's good. Like I like I like I was surprised he lasted to day three of the NFL draft. And um just yeah, just think like, I think he's better than Miles Sanders. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm pretty, pretty overweight on Gainwell. I'm looking at my top five. He's in my top five running backs. Uh Rashad White being my my number one. There we go. Do it for the yeah. brand. Yeah. Daryl Henderson, another guy I'm just smashing. Rojo, obviously, in the top five. No surprise. And then McKinnon. McKinnon's another guy. McKinnon top five is, I mean, that it's a good, it's a good leverage bet against one Mr. Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, being overweight Rojo and McKinnon, and then underweight Edwards Hilaire, and then it being Pacheco. That's that's how my season's gonna go. I'm like, well, at least I didn't draft the most expensive guy. But, so what are you what are you making of all of this Ravens backfield stuff? Because now we have the report that Dobbins is gonna be reevaluated. Actually, we should be getting that reported any day now because he's supposed to be reevaluated today. Then we get the report that you know Dobbins or uh, Edwards is way behind schedule, that he has not made great recovery from his injury. And then we get a little bit of drumbeat on Mike Davis. We get a little bit of drumbeat on Tyler Beatty. And then you really know it's the offseason. You're getting a little bit of drumbeat on Justice Hill. Like, there was an <laughs> athletic report that Justice Hill was looking fast and decisive. And I was like, yeah. it's, it's uh, okay. It's uh, We're getting close to the game time if this is happening. <laughs> like, I don't need this in my life again. Yeah, it's like the uh, when the Red Zone music comes on before before the uh, introduction of Red Zone. It's like the, the countdown ticker is on there's only like a minute left that's uh that's how justice hill is for the offseason narratives um yeah i don't know man I'm, I'm drafting dobbins in the sixth yeah i'm not touching edwards uh edwards do- doesn't have i think like a ton of contingent value he is who he is and oh, they'll just play we- some other guy yeah and we also have a major injury for him as well and he's just not as talented as dobbins so uh, I just don't really like the bet with Edwards. And then I'm not, I'm not really touching any of the other guys. I'm basically like sixth round Dobbins or I'll look elsewhere. I could totally see Tyler Beatty showing up and being like a week one waiver wire ad guy. Cause he got, he, you know, he gets like two targets, eight carries and scores like a 40 yard touchdown or something. 
but he could also not make the team. Totally. Oh, and, they could they could keep Mike Davis and so, I mean, which is basically what they did last year, right? They gave Tyson Williams one game. He got Lamar blown up, and yeah. they played Devonta Freeman and Le'Veon Bell and uh, some other Latavius Murray over him. And that's why I'm struggling with it in best ball, where it's like. I really don't want a guy who's just like not going to be on the team. Mike Davis could also not make the roster. So I'm, if I'm not taking Edwards, I don't, I don't really see like how I should be playing this right now. Maybe later on we get some clarity and then that we'll, we'll get it on. We'll get it on. Cut, we'll get it on cut down day. Right. Which is not for another 20 days, 25 days. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I don't know, like if you think best ball mania three is not going to fill, maybe that, I don't know, maybe that's an angle to take those, those like five days of drafting best balls in between the last preseason and the start of the season. It's just like such a whirlwind. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Well, I'm really hoping that best ball mania three doesn't fill quickly because I can't fast draft when I'm out of the country. And uh, so I, I'm going to need to, do like 40 drafts when i get back maybe more you know so i got so you're in a real conundrum here with this honeymoon stuff because not only can you not fast draft but you can't enter new slow drafts so new you have to drafts. correctly like because what if you what if you enter let's say five slow drafts but then you're there and you're like ah, this wasn't enough i could have wasn't done enough yeah i mean that's 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 tough because now you're that's actually the worst position for you because you're still doing slow drafts on your honeymoon, but you're not even taking full advantage. So it's like right. this annoyance, but also not not getting enough drafts. I, five, five is total. I was thinking 10, 10 seemed like a good number, but I don't know. Maybe, I don't people are people are people are saying it's a bad idea. I think personally, more, I think more, more and more people are saying all the time. It's a bad the idea. optimal number, I believe, is zero. <laughs> But if you're not doing zero, like you might as well do. Four. But here's the thing: how realistic <laughs> just, just is it? Fucking go for it. How realistic is it to not be on your phone for five days? Like, who does that? No one does that. Yeah. No one, not one person, outside of like a yogi, is is going on vacation and not just like sitting on their phone by the pool. The issue that you're gonna have is you're not gonna have like a set period of time. I imagine time. like there's not gonna be a schedule, right? Like you're different days are gonna have different stuff going on, and you're. So, you know, and you certainly don't want to save them all for for a night. So, like, when when are you actually making all these picks? You would you would do it right when you wake up, and then like lunchtime, and that should that should get you through, right? But lunch, so you're at you're like at the table with with your wife, and you're just blasting off picks. That doesn't seem great. I mean, it doesn't take that long, dude. It's like, how long does it take me to star every Chiefs and Broncos player in a draft and just take them? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I need I need Brian Hooper to get to work on a on a simulation program for the best balls so that I don't even have to think about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, that that would be ideal. Yeah, just just have the computer do it while you're on the honeymoon. Uh, Traylon Burks, we're getting we're getting multiple things on him. So one, we're getting. He's good. You know, the asthma, uh, not not that big of an issue. Then we're also getting he's playing behind Nick Westbrook-Akeen in week one, which, yep. to be fair, I, I think A.J. Brown literally played behind. Not, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it was Chester Rogers. I don't remember who he played behind week one of his first year. But uh, the drumbeat, the drumbeat is, oh, oh, I did also read uh, a roster prediction that very clearly said Hassan Haskins is, like, fine enough 
they're rolling into the season with him as as Derrick Henry's backup, which uh, feels pretty good for a round 18 pick to have, like, you know, last year's Dante Foreman, basically. Yeah, although the they've also kind of had a McKin or not a McKin, a McNichols type in the third down roll. Well, and they, it seems they, like they Hilliard, Hilliard is that guy. Still. Yeah. yeah. And that's what that's what the athletic article said is that Hilliard would be the third down back regardless. But I mean, g- give me give me sixty percent of Derrick Henry's volume for the eighteenth round, probably pretty good. It's not like the Titans are gonna stop running the ball if Derrick Henry gets hurt. No, they're not. I Their think, offensive line kind of stinks. They ran for more yards per game in the games Henry was out than the games he was in. That's wild because they gave Henry so many care. Henry was not efficient on the ground last year. Uh, could 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 be tough. He's like twenty eight years old. Um, what was it? Oh, the the Burke stuff. Yeah, the Burks. He's like probably you know still working his way into week one starting uh, the week one starting lineup. But like I don't know. I, that does feel more like, you know, Justin Jefferson's behind old BC Johnson or whatever type of stuff where as long as he's not in the doghouse for this conditioning issue, that those types of reports don't bother me. When the conditioning issue stuff was going on, you know, I I did load up on Burks, but at a discount, like I wanted that discount and we got it. Uh, now I feel like it's okay. Like, you know, taking him in the seventh round, eighth round. I mean, still getting him in the eighth. That feels awesome. Also, just as we're doing this, J.K. Dobbins just got promoted off of the pup list. So okay, he's going to be a fifth round pick by tomorrow morning, probably. Sixth round, Dobbins feeling good. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be gone. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have that is? Uh, well, on the, the, on the Titans thing, real yeah. quick. Please. This guy, Kyle Phillips, I believe was their sixth round pick. He looks like their starting slot receiver, which is maybe not on the fantasy radar at all. But he's, he's our generation's Adam Humphreys. He's our generation's Adam Humphreys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you have you heard tracked anything down about Jalen Tolbert since James Washington suffered the Jones fracture? I haven't really seen a ton from the team on Tolbert since that happened. So I, it's funny you ask because we ended up taking Tolbert at the main event uh, just like yesterday, the day before. And I was trying to track down some stuff. Basically, it seems like right now he is definitely going to be a starter if, you know, if week one was today. I mean, they literally do not have a choice. They don't have a choice. Um, It seems like he's done decently well in camp. Uh, There was some positive buzz on Brown as opposed to Tolbert on one of the articles that I read. Yeah. Which obviously isn't ideal, but I think for like a third round rookie, kind of an older, uh, smaller school prospect like Tolbert, just having him definitely being a starter in week one is is pretty bullish on its own. So it doesn't seem like he's tearing up camp or anything, but... Um, I think 10th round Tolbert drafters might... Like that oh, feels that's too like expensive. that feels like pushing it. I mean, I I just I was a tenth round Tolbert drafter like forty five minutes ago because I was doing a a Dak stack. Um, we got him in the twelve oh two wide receiver fifty six in the main event. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't like I like he seemed like a fine prospect, but I don't. I mean, I really want to be bullish on him because the vacuum in Dallas is so large. Like if like if he is good, like if he is a, a really good, like an above average NFL wide receiver, the opportunity is so there for him to smash. But like that's obviously a big hurdle. Like being a good NFL wide receiver is really hard. 
it's really hard. And a lot of guys who are very good NFL wide receivers were not good as rookies. As rookies. Like Michael Gallup, who's one of his closest comps, didn't do anything as a rookie. And, you know, and then he had a great second year. DK Metcalf didn't do a ton as a rookie. You know, I, we, I like drafting rookie wide receivers. Uh, I think they're generally underpriced. But if they're getting pushed up because of opportunity, then I start to get a little nervous because sometimes these guys, even if they're really good players, aren't ready for a giant role as rookies. That's a did research last year that was showing that basically like the Brandon Ayuk style rookie breakout is very rare. It's much more common that a guy has really efficient usage on not like a ton of routes. Like he's not out there all the time. He's not like a key cog in the offense, but whenever he's out there, he's just crushing. Yeah. Um, I, I just like, and, and what are you doing with Gallup? Are you, are you taking, are you like, I've been having this argument for like five days with Drew Dinkmeyer where he's telling me I'm a donkey for being loaded up on Gallup because like zeros matter so much, which is like in managed, I'd be much less likely to take Michael Gallup because I just want to drop him. You know, same thing with like mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins or whatever. But in best ball where I just know I'm not going to be sitting there looking at it and have to decide, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to take Michael Gallup. <laughs> I've taken some Gallup. I should check what I am, what I'm at on him. I feel like I'm probably like slightly underweight on Gallup, but I, I know I've taken, yeah, I have 7% Gallup. So I'm not technically underweight, but yeah, but he's I'm on not, my like, he's fade. on my first page on underdog, which is maybe not great. I mix him in. I try to take like if I've got um, if I've started really strong at wide receiver, I've got you know I basically went zero running back or yes, like, hammered great, wide receiver great early. point. Like you got to take him like if, like if you already have Jamar Chase and uh, Tyreek Hill and Chris Godwin and Elijah Moore then like yeah take him because you don't like it doesn't matter that he's giving you like five guaranteed zeros well even if i had godwin i'd probably skip it because godwin's already the guy that buddy I'm, like, he's gonna to... be back week one don't, uh, don't don't doubt our god i i i am hope i i definitely hope you're right um although i actually am slightly underweight godwin as it turns out seven percent godwin as well but another guy that I kind of been viewing maybe and maybe and wrongly is someone that like I want to build around to try to get him through those first couple of weeks. Hopkins, obviously, um, even if I have like two or three rookies by that point that I'm looking at Gallup, I'm less likely to take Gallup because those guys are going to start slower. So just kind of thinking about it that way. But then, you know, like Liam's talked about this, right, where it's like lower advance rate guys aren't necessarily bad because if you're able to get a Gallup. Through. Yeah. I, w- I was having this argument with, with Dink and Leone and they were just telling me I was an idiot, but like that, like any, any simulation based thing is going to tell you that a player with zeros is bad. Yeah. And I think like it, it is bad. Like you'd rather have Gallup not have the zeros, but I think I'm just not like removing him from my, from my board because of it. I feel like there's probably, there's probably structures that give you a better chance of advancing a Gallup team. And then if Gallup ends up having a low advance rate overall right. and crushes in the finals, like you, it all comes down to how did Gallup does over a three week period from weeks 15 through 17, which we cannot predict, but it's like very binary. Like if he, if he smashes in those weeks, we're all going to be looking at like, what, you know, why didn't I try to get him through? And if he doesn't do anything, it's you're an idiot for drafting him because he was going to get you zeros and you knew that. You know, whose drum beat is starting to really intrigue me is Damian Pierce, because a lot of the film grinders said he was really good and just kind of misused at Florida. And yeah. now everyone at Texas, which considering you're in a backfield with Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack, like 
if you're good, it's going to be apparent to everyone because those guys are so just a guy. You know, it's like it's like if Damian Pierce is really good, there is no reason for the Texans to not be using him, right? So, and he's still quite, I mean, he's still going after running back 40. I'm going to end up having an uncomfortable fade position on Damian Pierce. I, I just felt like he was going, I felt like he was too expensive and then his prices increased, which is just a tough spot to be in. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so kudos to you if you had cheaper Damian Pierce, but I don't know. I mean, he's not a pass catcher. Marlon Mack, the the pos- there's been positive reports on Marlon Mack as well. There's been positive uh, reports on Burkhead too, to be fair. Like some of the beat writers are speculating like 50% of the touches early on in the season for Rex. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, and that's actually what Rivers McCown, who uh, watches all of our Texans games for us, uh, which I mean, can you imagine that? What what a imagine? Hero. He covers the Texans for us all season. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, so he's like really dialed in, and he thinks that to lead the backfield, uh, it will be Burkhead to start the season, uh, and then like Mac will sort of seed the secondary role to Pierce as the season goes on. That that was his read of it. So I mean, if that if that is the case. I, I think I'll I'll be fine with my Damian Pierce fade, but obviously you do worry that he just has the talent to take over the backfield. And I'm not a huge tape guy, but you watch Damian Pierce in college. I get why the tape guys liked him. I mean, he's a fun yeah. running back. He he is a powerful runner. He was very productive around the goal line. Uh, one of these guys, he like makes dudes miss, and I think he could be like, if he was not on the Texans, maybe this would be more intriguing but you know definitely someone who could rack up touchdowns with a big goal line roll for sure uh the the Steelers it just sounds all bad every every report is like Pickett looks like uh an infomercial guy of like a guy trying to carry too many things and then dropping them all at once every time he tries to play quarterback and Trubisky is like not much better and apparently it's been so bad that Mason Rudolph might win the starting job and like I mean that's not good for Najee it's really not good for Deontay Johnson. Horrible for tight end 13, Pat Fryermuth. Bad for Claypool. Bad. It's just bad. It's just all bad. It's just, it just sounds all bad for the Steelers. Yeah, and I'm like not super underweight the Steelers. That's actually one of the things I was thinking about this morning of like, this could be really bad. Like I've got I'm 13% Claypool, 12% Deontay, 7% pick and 7% Najee. I have 1% fire moves. He's been a, a big, uh, an intentional fade. I think his ADP is very, very silly. Um, but yeah, I mean, the rest of the Steelers basically would really hurt me if they didn't have a good year. And I also don't think the Steelers will have a good year. So, so I need to draft less Steelers, I think. Uh, pick it. It could be, it could be like a week 17, 18 situation before we see him. I mean, it looks bad. There was a, an athletic article where, the beat was like very politely sort of asking about Pickett because it was like so clear that Pickett looked really bad. He was like, it seems like he's just looking at his first read and then running like immediately. And like, Hey, we'll take it. If he, if he's starting and, and running a lot, we'll take it. We'll take it, but he's not going to be supporting any weapons. Yeah. It's going to be very, it's, I think it's going to end up being kind of fields ask from last year where Mooney mm. is the only one who does anything and everyone else just stinks. But we don't have a clear Mooney. I mean, I, I know Deontay Johnson is drafted it, ahead. It would, be, it would be Deontay. The talent gap between him and Claypool and Pickens, though, is like 
I mean, I, I mean, think Allen Robinson Dickens might be the best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the version of Allen Robinson last year that we got, Mooney was like clearly better. And then there was nobody else there except, you know, Komet. 93, so, 93 targets, zero touchdowns. Cole Komet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Fryermuth, dude. Fryermuth is such an easy fade. I it's like it's Fryermuth is one of those social experiment things where it's like I see his ADP is tight end 12 tight end 13 but I never see anyone take him like it feels like he's all feels like he always hangs on the board for like 20 spots after ADP every draft I do it's like okay he's in a bad offense uh the offensive line is really bad so like there's not even much hope if the quarterback play you know is better than we expect like it's gonna have to be a lot better probably and uh He's not like an explosive guy. He got there because of touchdown. He wasn't efficient really in yards per out run. Um, it was just he got in the end zone like seven times. He was he was the ninety seventh tight end to be titled Baby Gronk at some point. Yeah, and there's a lot of target competition, like a lot. There's three good, good above average wide receivers on this team. I, I just like couldn't be less interested. I know he's a, I know he did what he did last year as a rookie. Potential for a second year breakout. But that really feels priced in. If you wait like two, three rounds, you can get Tyler Higby or Gerald Everett, who are, I mean, we know Higby's an every down tight end in a, in a good offense, and Everett might be an every down tight end in a really good offense. I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Yeah. Uh, DJ Shark, are you, I, I'm, buying the, I'm buying the shit out of all of these reports because, one, I don't really think they have an alternative to playing him. And every report on Jamison Williams is like, this dude's not playing. Like, this dude, is ta- he is going to take his time. And Shark just looks – I mean, like, I've just always kind of thought Shark is good. The tough part with Shark is that, like, what is his role in the offense? Because uh, if he's a deep threat, if he's kind of doing the Jamison Williams stuff, Jared Goff's deep threat has never been an archetype I want. But there have been some reports that – that isn't going to be his role. He's going to be doing a little bit of everything, kind of seeing more intermediate well, stuff. Well, like, look the at the stuff. other wide receivers on the roster. It's like, it's like Josh Reynolds and Quintus Cephas and, and yeah. like these guys who are just like not going to get open. Yeah. And I'm going to St. Brown, who I think has a very sort of specific role in the Super offense. Specific. Yeah. Yeah. So that has made me more intrigued. And it's, I think one of the reasons that he signed with them, in fact, was that he felt that he'd been pigeonholed. It was like a, it's like a total NBA deal, like a one year prove it to go get like what Malik Monk just did with the Lakers. Like he just signed a small contract with the Lakers because he knew he was going to play and he bet on himself and he just got it. I don't even remember who he signed with, but he just got a big contract. Like that's totally what shark is doing. Well, shark's also coming off an injury, right? He he, he broke his ankle. I want to say ACL. I, I know he got, I think he only played like a couple weeks last year. I believe it was his ankle. Yeah, he only played in he only played in four games last year, uh, and he he went on the IR on October fourth. I don't I don't know what the injury was. Yeah, it was a fractured ankle. Yeah, ouch. So that yeah, that's like and it was yeah September thirtieth looks like. So that's um, you know I, that's one reason to be to be a little skeptical, but it doesn't seem like that's holding him back from these reports either. Yeah. I, I just like that's one of those that probably is going to feel stupid at the end of the year. I'm like, uh, you just drafted uh, $800 worth of DJ Shark teams. Like, do you feel smart, bro? Look, he, he scored three touchdowns and then got supplanted by, you know, Josh Reynolds because he threw a temper tantrum on the sideline or something. 
I haven't drafted a ton of them, but I am very open to the idea of taking them. I should probably I, this, this Lions, this Lions stuff could just be peak offseason optimism, where it's like you know everyone's everyone's like, oh, the Lions restore the roar, the over six wins, and yeah. then like they stink and Goff stinks and Dan Campbell's running the ball down thirty points in the second half. It feels very. Was it twenty twenty Browns? Whichever year we got really excited about the Browns. Could be. I don't remember. I mean, it feels like that kind of happens every year with the Browns. Yeah, it, it kind of does. But there's that it was one year where it was like I, whenever we were most optimistic about Baker, maybe it's 2019. Uh, there was a big Browns optimism year. Where are you at on Will Fuller? Because that's that's like a, a news and notes <laughs> item where I'd love a I'd love a news. I'd, I'd, lo- note. I'd love a news and or note. Uh, no, I mean, it was it was at least bullish that his agent was telling Twitter guys to tweet the teams want to sign him. Um, which means at least Will Fuller's agent wants him to play football. I mean, I'd take him. He's wide receiver 82 now. I think the the time where it makes sense to take him now is, I mean, one in manage leagues that have a week zero waiver wire run, because if he's Easy. still not if he's still not signed. Yeah, you move on. When week zero, like you can just cut him. Or on teams that have it. So like if you take a DAC team, take him, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, or or a Bills team, take him. We're like one of these places where it would make sense for the Packers, right? Rogers, Fuller you know, something, something like that. Cause uh, there was a report that Odell Beckham is not going to, is not close to getting signed right now. Cause Odell, I guess I would think he would have been signed by now to like a good team, like Packers come back to the Rams, whatever, but maybe he wants a, uh, another big contract. Like maybe he's saying like, I don't want to do another one year deal. I want a four year, $40 million or whatever. Cause I like, you know, it's going to be my last big contract type thing. That's interesting. I, I I feel bad for him, man. He was he was so clearly going to be a big part of their plans. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I've been taking Odell some, uh, always on Rams stuff because it just seems like a pretty strong connection to the Rams. Um, but I don't know. Maybe he ends up in Dallas or something. It'd be kind of interesting. But yeah, Fuller. Uh, my general thing with Fuller is when I'm in a draft, I take Fuller. <laughs> so like if if drafting then fuller if drafting then fuller not quite but uh yeah he is he is uh my highest own wide receiver as it turns out is he so really he is re- yes he is my highest own wide receiver that He's, is that is aggressive he is free he is and, free okay let's say fuller does not sign obviously i would you know that's that's a a absolutely harrowing outcome for me but like yeah we've been moving on and manage leagues 100 what if he signs in week six like as yeah you'd be you'd be adding him back you'd be adding him back and at, at a 17th 18th round price which is where he's going now like is that bad we just talked about the gallop thing uh yeah this it's is not it's tough, not really that different it's not that different so i'm like i don't know is he sitting out the entire season I mean, it feels like he would have just told us he was retiring if he was going to do that. Yeah, that is I, – I want a news and a note, but I don't want Will Fuller announces retirement because that does feel – Will Fuller awesome. announces he's moving on to, you know, making films or something. Yeah, I, de- I definitely uh, am nervous. That feels like very live. But I I had 30% Julio Jones before he signed. So, like, that's I'm, – I'm willing to make that type of bet. You know, there's you know, there's some best ball bro out there who who was just loading up on Gage in the sixth round. Who was like, buddy, Godwin's not coming back. Full steam ahead. Tom Brady personally recruited him. 
Like, you know that guy's out there. Dude, I – this is so frustrating. DraftKings, I've been playing their uh, 20 and $25 tournament. The $20 tournament closed like two weeks ago, filled. And I saw it was about to fill, so I went in and I entered the, like the last two drafts. And they and were they, fast drafts and you thought they were slows? They were slows that I thought were fast. Oh, that's that is way better than the alternative. No, I'd much rather multi-table. That would have been a fun little night. Multi-table two DraftKings draft? No. Two slows on DraftKings, which like about two-thirds of the time alerts you that you're on the clock, and the other <laughs> yeah, third is just roughly, like a fun, roughly. A fun little game. Yeah. Like, oh, you were on the clock and you didn't yeah. know. So I have Russell Gage on both those teams because I time I timed out. It was so frustrated. Uh yeah, no, it's not it's not great. Uh what what can you do? I I I have I did not do like hardly any slows last year. I I'm doing more slows this year just because I want to get more drafts. Just because you're getting married. Just well, I would I mean, yes, it's creating a 10-day hole in the middle of my calendar that needs to be filled, but I mean I just did the math and I was like, dude, like you just you just gotta get more drafts in. Like it's just the the reality of it. I've been uh, multi-tabling the puppy, and I feel like I'm getting getting my uh, my game back a little bit. Like yeah, I'm I did. In the group. I did five puppies at a time this morning. Whoa! All right, that, I've only been doing max four, and four starts to get a little. Every time I do it, they all converge so that my picks are like it's it's it, it is it, it it always happens that way. It's so frustrating. It's like you end up being on clock on on four of them at a time. It happens that way almost every single time i do it and statistically that feels like it should be impossible there's got to be i mean the, the the it has to be like your control over the timing of your own picks makes it happen like that's got to be how it is right but i fire the pick off like i when i'm maybe when I'm you doing shouldn't drafts, maybe you should be maybe you should be waiting though like maybe you should be waiting till you're at the end of the clock on your you know doing the the overset I've experimented with that a little bit, especially if I'm like, oh, this draft, you know, I can kind of see how many picks and yes. I'm like, I'm going to wait. And then I do that. And the other draft slows down. What do you do? <laughs> what crazy, do you do? Man. So like you're, you're in, you click on one, you're up in one pick, you're, you know, and, and it's 15 seconds left. Then you're on the clock in another one. Do you click out and go make the other pick or do you wait for the, the 15 seconds to go off the clock and the one you're in the screen you're on? I go make the other pick. I wait. I wait. You wait. Yeah. Because because you get these, this is so fucking inside baseball, but you get a little bit of latency when you're going out of the draft and into the next one. Like it kind of takes, it takes a couple yeah. seconds for your screen to get caught up. So I just wait. That's man. Knowing I'm on the clock and then not going over there because. Because the you latency... need a couple seconds to remember what you're doing. Yeah. I don't even know what my plan, like, that's the latency I'm worried about. It's like, oh yeah, your like, brain latency. See, I'm, here's then I'm the worried, thing: like, is... I'm like building this this chief stack or something, and I'm like, no, that was the other team. He <laughs> shouldn't have taken Weekle here. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's it, it's it clearly with every extra draft you're doing, you're a little bit worse. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's definitely true. So it's like you balance the EV of like maybe not getting 150 teams in versus uh drafting a couple bad teams and it's like who knows like i don't know the, the goal is just to run good anyway with the puppy i think it's good to just try to get as many teams with it because we know it's going to fill and yeah uh you know it's five dollar teams so and it's kind of i mean frankly it's fun because it's like 
it does get the juices flowing when you're on the clock and in four different drafts at the same time and you're just firing you're just like did you actually pull it off i mean it's pretty good yeah all right what's coming up on ship chasing this week and what what's uh what's what's the best ball article on nbc sports edge yeah so uh ship chasing this week we're gonna have a really good episode with sean siegel coming on we're going to be talking through kind of the the game plan for the ffpc main event we uh me pete and ben have done three slow drafts so far but we are going to be cranking out live drafts on ship chasing throughout the rest of the summer it's time uh, we're to also crank. going to be we're going to vegas doing uh, a number of live drafts out there so gonna kind of just talk through some of the the things we've seen in drafts so far and basically game out the rest of our summer for the main event a uh, million dollars up top so got to get these things right and then uh the best ball article uh i have a series of of articles coming out really focused on best ball mania it's kind of just focused like uh generally on this version of best ball where we have three playoff weeks that you actually have to to win single week tournaments 15 16 17 which yeah. obviously best ball main is not the only version of that, but I kind of doubt I dove into um, half point PPR spike weeks and best ball mania advance rates and all that stuff to kind of look at like structure, positional structure. So that that'll be out uh, in a multi-part series starting this week. There we go. Everyone listen to ship chasing, read NBC sports edge, which actually I think is called Roto world again, right? We're bringing Rotor World back. Yeah. So Matthew Barry uh, came back to NBC and uh, I think, you know, he's helping bring back the Rotor World branding a little bit, uh, which obviously he's, it's always uh, been Rotor World, World in my heart. It's I mean, you go to RotorWorld.com uh, any day since Rotor World went away. It, it took you to the same site. You I could type in, I, I just type in, you know, uh, uh, Cloud Edward Tiller, Rotor World. I don't type in NBC Sports Edge. Yeah. You don't have to. And you know, you know, to. and now and now you shouldn't type in Rotor World. There we go. All right, everyone. We're getting out of here. I will be back later in the week. Uh content note, nothing next week. Sorry, dudes. I uh, you know, it is what it is, but uh we'll <laughs> we'll find a way to make it through. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the US economy in twenty twenty two. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy. And starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.